The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's happening this week on your favorite soap opera? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host and resident Sandman, Dan Kroll. Well, hopefully not the type of Sandman that puts you to sleep, because that's certainly not my goal. But sand, as in sands through the hourglass. I doubt that there's anyone in the U.S. and probably in a lot of parts of the world who's not familiar with the iconic opening of Days of Our Lives. Take a listen. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This is McDonald Carey, and these are the days of our lives. Today we're spending an hour celebrating a milestone in Day's history. On November 8, 2010, Days of Our Lives marked its 45th anniversary. And this week's show must have been destined to take place because, if you can believe it, this is episode 45 of Soap Central Live. Over the course of the next hour, you'll hear from folks involved in the creative process of the show, and in the second half of the show, you'll hear from Days of Our Lives star Christian Alfonso. I'll also be taking your calls to allow you to share your first memory of Days or maybe some of your favorite moments. And there will be little bits of trivia scattered throughout the hour. In fact, here's the first. Did you know that Days of Our Lives was the first soap opera to be broadcast on NBC in color? Well, now you do. There will be more trivia throughout the show, but let's get on to our first guest. You know, if a daytime writer is able to craft one supercouple or one breakout role, it's safe to say that their time at the soap was a success. So it is mind-blowing to me that my first guest is widely credited with co-creating some of daytime's most memorable characters, including Days of Our Lives' Bowen Hope, John and Marlena, Patch and Kayla, and even General Hospital's Luke and Laura. Sherry Anderson is an Emmy-winning writer who has just released the new novel, a Secret in Salem, and today we'll dive into the pages of the new book and find out what it takes to get a story idea from being a figment of someone's imagination to having it actually play out on our TV screens. So, Sherry, welcome to Soap Central Live. Well, Dan, thank you very much. I really appreciate that introduction. Oh, you're certainly welcome, and thank you so much for taking some time out to chat about the soaps with us. Well, I'm thrilled to. And it's kind of interesting when I was just listening to your opening and you had McDonald Carey and, and something dawned on me and we were kind of talking about this pre-show. You know, Ken Corday was very, very smart when he kept McDonald Carey's voice on that show yeah. forever because so many people 
hear that and you immediately think Days of Our Lives and go back to your childhood when Mac's voice was the one that led you in. So it just really dawned on me. And what a brilliant move that was, Ken. You know, I don't think that they could have gotten away with it, maybe removing it. I think it's one of those things that is so iconic. It just—it has to be that way forever. Yeah, and you know, I was lucky enough to work with Matt Carey, who was just a fabulous, fabulous man, and also such a consummate actor. So, you know, I've been lucky to, to work with so many great people, so I'm very, very fortunate. We're going to talk about some of the great people that you've worked with a little bit later in this segment, but first, let's find out how you got to the soap opera world. It's something we call the soap connection. So when did you first become familiar with the soaps? Well, I was familiar with the soaps as a fan, you know, and when I was in junior high school and high school, I actually became a fan of Days of Our Lives. And, and you know, we all talk about the fact that it's all about family. Well, my aunt, Elaine, was a huge fan, um, as was my mother. And, you know, I would rush home from school to watch it, and we would get on the phone and chat about it all the time. So when I was lucky enough, through a kind of a fluke when I was in advertising, of being introduced to Pat Falkensmith, um, and I found out she wanted a, an assistant, I actually gave up my position as the head of a PR department in an ad agency hmm. to become her assistant for two days a week because you know it was so important to me, and I loved the show so dearly, and then it kind of took off from there. That's kind of amazing. So <laughs> it is. It, I, I love, to, love to do the stories when folks sort of end up somewhere that maybe they didn't think that they were going to be. So when did it first dawn on you, you know what, I'm going to write soaps. I want to craft what people see on their TV screens. Well, you know, it was really that meeting with Pat Falkensmith because, as I said, I was a huge fan. I actually lived out in Orange County um, a couple of miles from Disneyland, so I always joke, really kidding on the square, that I grew up in Disneyland because in those days we would go there, you know, once a week. Um, and so I kind of had, you know, kind of a strange upbringing creati- creatively because I had Mickey running around all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I was lucky enough that I was close enough that when somebody said, do you want to have lunch with this woman, I grabbed at the chance, and really having never thought that I would be able to do uh, that kind of job or get into that field. And it was one of those things where I've said in the past, it's a matter of being in the right place at the right time and knowing it. Because we often get opportunities placed in front of us and we think, oh, I couldn't do that, or maybe, you know, I've got other things to do. And you have to open your eyes and grab the, the, you know, the exciting opportunities, which fortunately I did. And the same thing happened with these novels, by the way. Definitely. There's, we're going to talk about the novels because I'm almost through it. I wanted to make sure that I didn't get all the way to the end and accidentally spill something that I shouldn't. <laughs> Good. So we're going to talk about that. What I, you talked about opportunities and being able to seize them. You've had the privilege of working on several soaps, not just mm-hmm. Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you know, I was lucky enough, as I said, to be working with Pat Falcon Smith, and I actually started the week that the show went to an hour. Um, and, you know, in that year, it was on Time Magazine. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal time for the show. And for me, and because I worked with Pat Falkensmith, who, as I think we all know, is one of the iconic writers and, mm-hmm. uh, in the business, or, or she was, you know, for me to be able to do that was just sensational. And then 
we all got fired. It used to be that way. If the head writer was gone, everybody was gone. Wow. I went back into advertising, and two years later she called and said, I've been offered General Hospital. Do you want to come with me? Because I had, she always kind of saw me as somebody who was, was really good with romance, hmm. so she, she enjoyed that aspect of my writing. Okay. And so when she said, do you want to come and do it, I went, yep. <laughs> Once again, giving up you know, clients that I had that I'd reestablished, to get back into that field and to work with her, and then I got to work with Gloria Monty and wow. Jackie Smith and you know Maggie DePriest, who I always say is I think underrated by a lot of people. But you know, I it was a fabulous time. It was tough. <laughs> it was tough, but it was it was just amazing. And then you know I went back to days and then was offered positions on Guiding Light in Another World and Santa Barbara. So I really you know did Falcon Crest. So it was a great great time in in soap. And fortunately, people wanted to hire me, and so it was a great time. From having covered soap since it seems like the dawn of time, it's 15 years now, but yeah. there are a lot of questions that soap fans have that we as soap media can't always necessarily give them the answers to. So this is the mm-hmm. perfect time to get some of them <laughs> okay. from you. So if you're game, sure. here's, the, here's the first one. Is the writing process pretty much the same at each soap in that it's sort of handled the same way, or does each show really have its own sort of conveyor belt and, and process of telling story? Well, you know, the thing is, I can only respond to the shows that I worked on, and all of the shows that I worked on, it really was the same process, you know, and when you're working 52 weeks a year, it is a process, you know, you're just moving forward, you've got to get the next show out, you've got to get the next show out, so you've got the hierarchy of the head writer, who, or head writers who come up with the long-term story, and they then break down individual episodes, the narrative with individual breakdown writers, and at the same time they're writing those. You know, you've got the script writers who are writing the ones from the week before, and then the editor is, you know, it's a, it's a real, I hate, it's, it almost sounds like a factory, and I don't mean to put it that way, but it's that very, very, very um, systematic process. As far as how they're Created, I believe, and I'm not sure because I haven't worked on Young and the Restless, but I know they did something different in that they would give certain writers, I was told, they would give certain writers certain storylines. And so they would then, you know, put those breakdowns together afterwards once those storylines were written. I think that is correct. But aside from that, everybody I know in all the other shows worked the way that I was discussing it. Which leads to the other question, and you sort of touched upon it, but one of the most maligned people at times in daytime is the head writer. And I think Mm -hmm. it may be because fans don't really get what a head writer does as head writer. So can you give us just a little bit? I'm sure there's a lot more than you could could probably fill the whole hour with some of the uh, explanation. But what is it that the head writer actually does? Well, in daytime, because I also worked on Falcon Crest, you know, in primetime, and what I realized, and it's kind of interesting, a head writer in daytime is really the equivalent of a co-executive producer in primetime. So it's just a matter of a label. Uh, The thing is, what you are responsible for, at least when I was writing, is the story. You're responsible for all of the story and the scripts, (laughs) everything. You know, but it is your responsibility to come up with Oftentimes, you know, in conjunction with the executive producer, I also remember when I was working with Brian Franz when he was at NBC, we would have a lot of meetings, and he was really terrific with the story. But it's you oversee everything. So 
what I did, and I don't know if people are still doing it, but I actually even edited all the scripts. Wow. Uh, because I felt that having, and I learned that from Pat, as the head writer, in those days anyway, if it got down the line where I'm not seeing exactly what's going to the directors to get on the air, I don't know. It's not my show anymore. It's not my stamp on the show. So that's how it was done when I was there. Now, you know, the shows are, in a sense, so much faster, um, and they have so much more material and have to deal with so many outside pressures, including now, as we all know, we've got, you know, product placement here, there, and everywhere, mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't, I don't suspect that um, someone like Dina or Bob Guza or any of the greats out there do, do the editing as well. I, and I know Days has a terrific editor, Fran Myers, and I think Beth Milstein, who was a wonderful, wonderful writer on Days of Our Lives, I think she is doing the editing on Young and the Restless. But, yeah, it's just, you know, you oversee everything, so you get the blame or you get the praise when you're the head writer. And that's, they pay you a lot of money, but they buy your life. You know, that's what it's about. No, I think that's probably can be said with a lot of people who run <laughs> with certain things. So I can definitely mm-hmm. relate to that. Now, we were going to take our first commercial break, but I'm really enjoying the discussion, so we're going to skip this commercial break. Okay. And I have a little bit of more trivia here for folks out there listening. Did you know that one Days of Our Lives star once danced with the Rockettes? Find out who it was a little bit later in the show. But I know, a- I know. <laughs> That's no. Well, you know what? We'll put you to the test after we take a quick call. We have somebody who wants to talk to you. It is Angela from down in Georgia. Angela, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hello, Angela. Angela got a little bit shy, I think. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. I had you on mute. (laughs) Can you hear me okay okay. now? Yes, we can. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the show. Hi. Great discussion. Thank you. Um, Sherry, it's nice to talk with you. I was curious, you were talking a little bit about Pat Falkensmith, and um, I just wondered, in the process of writing the book, there would have probably been at least some challenges with the editors, as as there is in any um, project. Um, was there ever an opportunity or a challenge there where maybe you wanted to take um, a specific character, especially ones that are either on the air now that maybe have just a small role in the book, or one, you know, like a John and Marlena or a, a Belle and Sean, and maybe the editors had some concern about maybe taking it in that direction? I guess I'm just wondering how, you know, how did you approach sort of the negotiation of what would go in or what might not go in? And did you ever really think about what would Pat Falcon Smith say or do in this situation? It's a good question. Well, yeah, Thanks, you know, I, I think I think in my mind it always Pat's always sort of sitting on my shoulders somehow. Mm-hmm. And so yes, I, I you know I don't think I consciously do that, but I think subconsciously I do. And you know I was thinking about it, and I say I was really given full reign uh, in the book, and so I didn't really have. I had so few notes. It was terrific. The one note that I did have, um, and for those of you who have read it, um, one of the characters originally committed suicide. And um, when the editor got it, he said, as many of us may know, that Ken has never wanted to do a suicide on the show, and so we felt that that was um, a difficult thing. We didn't want to, to... contradict that so for me i always figure you know there are other ways to do things 
immediately said that's fine and changed it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if it's a point that I really really strongly believed in, um, I would stick to my guns. But this was something that I felt was even probably better the way it was then storied. Um, so you know, I, I'm pretty flexible on on different ways to tell story because you know there are so many that are good, and if somebody has a strong opinion and it's going to offend somebody. That's not my job. My job is to please people, not offend them. Well, right. thank well, you, I Angela, think for calling in. so successful because of just the whole being able to really focus on what, what the audience is interested in and being able to stay in tune to that. Well, I think part of it is coming from being a fan, you know, a real fan. And I've said this in other interviews, when I finished the book, at least for me as a fan, I was satisfied with it. I thought, oh, I liked what, you know, I found out about the characters. I liked that there were new characters. So that was important to me to try to address what the fans would want because that's what I would want. Mm-hmm. Thanks for calling in, Angelo. I appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Very much enjoying your interview. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Let's backtrack a little bit. Of course, the book is A Secret in Salem. Mm-hmm. How did this project come to you? Well, actually, I have, you know, I'm also a talent manager, and a couple of clients are Leanne Hunley and then Brian Dottillo. We're both on the show, and Teo Penglis and I actually became very good friends and have three screenplays, which are pretty phenomenal, by the way, that we wrote together. Okay. Um, and so I've kind of always kept in touch with the, the Corday people, just in even ancillary ways, and was to, trying to develop a couple of shows with them when Greg Meng came to me and said, this project was happening and would I be interested because they would like me to do it. So I was, again, when you say the right place at the right time. Right. And, you know, it wasn't, as I said, initially monetarily, it's not the kind of thing that you think I'm going to jump at this and do this. But I really had always wanted to write novels and to be able to be given a a deal that was, you know, you had publishing deal in place and with, you know, a marketing team behind it because of the, the importance of Days of Our Lives. I was thrilled. Um, because it gave me an opportunity to, to go into another arena. So he came to me and said, would I be interested? And I just pitched them a few stories, and there we went. Did you find that it was easier to write the dramatic material for a book as opposed to having to do it for a daily soap opera? The only reason it was easier, and it was, is that you didn't have to deal with any budgetary constraints. Uh. You know, Because people have a tendency to forget that, you know, the reason somebody might be having, you know, this wedding in somebody's living room and not in a cathedral is because that's the set that you have. You know, so you, you're you so um, constrained by budgetary cast members, um, you know, how many times you're using somebody, by the sets, by all of that stuff, that, you know, you write a book and you can just put anything you want. <laughs> so it was much easier and I was totally on my own, so I wasn't having to answer to anyone, really. I mean, I didn't get any notes until the book went in. And how long from the time you found out that the project was yours till you had to actually be done with the book? How long of a time frame was that? Well, the truth was the process of this whole thing was started maybe a year ago, a little over a year ago. And But because the contracts hadn't been signed, because there were a lot of negotiations going on, from the time the contracts were actually signed, or mine anyway, until the time that I turned in the first book was about seven weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, 
a lot of people were shocked. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was accustomed to writing long-term story and taking, you know, having to do that on the weekends when you're doing everything else on the show. So for me, um, that's sort of how my process for writing is when I get to the computer, it's pretty fast. So, and frankly, the second one has taken me longer because I enjoyed the first one so much and I felt that it was so satisfying that it was a little intimidating to try to, to do it again. But I think I'm doing a pretty darn good job. <laughs> Well, there's not just a second one. There's also going to be a third one. The yes. second one is a stirring in Salem, and the third one is a scandal in Salem. Right. And those, you know, the, those headlines or the, the titles of the books actually came from source books. You know, what I really gave them was Salem's secret scandals and lies. And then they, you know, for, for marketing purposes, that's where they came, which I think is intriguing. So, you know, we've got those three novels. It certainly is intriguing. That actually leads to a question I was going to ask you. With that sort of subtitle, Salem's Secret Scandals and Lies, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of them in 45 years. <laughs> I know, haven't there? Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's go. Do you have maybe a couple of your favorite secret scandals and lies? <laughs> oh, my. Well, you know, I always say, I think really the, the one that always stands out in my mind because it was one of my, my favorite stories was really, you know, about Victor and and Caroline and Bo's parentage because I think that changed so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it really changed the canvas again in an interesting way. So, you know, I think the biggest secret there and scandal and lie, it was all of those, <laughs> you know, were, were that Bo Brady was not Sean Brady's son. So that really was the, the, the biggest one for me, I think. And then, you know, Kimberly and Shane's story kind of, filtered into that one, but, you know, it was all about Kimberly Fest, and also with Billy, when, you know, when I actually created Billy, and, you know, the fact that she, at that point, you know, had this past as a hooker, um, that that changed a lot of things, too. No, and, you know, the characters, as you know, with different head writers, and over time, the characters change and grow, hopefully, but still, you know, in essence, are the same. Right. But those are those are probably the biggest ones that... that Stick out in my mind, although you've got you know John, John Black and Roman and the Pawn and all of that stuff. Those are pretty darn big secrets. And they all seem to, to go together. Now, quickly before we take another call, uh, one of the things I noticed about A Secret in Salem is that it includes some characters, as uh, Angela had mentioned, who uh-huh. are not currently on the screen, but they're right. existing characters. Uh, uh-huh. One, was that intentional? And two, do you think that if these characters ever return to the TV screen that what happened to them in the book will be addressed on screen? You know, I, I can't say that what happened in the book will be addressed on screen. And, you know, I've said this before. If I were head writing the show right now and somebody came to me and said, you need to incorporate all this stuff that just happened, um, I probably wouldn't make me happy because of how this, the show keeps going forward. But what I tried to do is make them all real. I know you said you've read the book, so... As you know, there's one big secret, and they say, well, we're not telling anybody at home because we don't want them, you know, we want this to be our private secret (laughs) so that if people are watching, they're not going, why aren't they telling anybody? How come this hasn't come out? Because in the book, again, I'm trying to make it as realistic as possible while also entertaining and all of that, but to not impose it on the show, but to complement the show. So those, those elements are there to drag out if they want them and if the fans would want them bad enough. Because, again, I certainly don't own the rights to any of those characters. They're owned by Corday Productions. 
So, you know, they could appear anytime or, you know, as some other form, whether it's a web series or, ah, you know, movie of the week or something like that. So very interesting. One never knows. Well, let's take, we have time for a quick call. We're going to Massachusetts. We have Brian. Brian, you're on Subcentral Live. Hi, Dan. Um, I just wanted to call and give a real congratulations on the 45th anniversary of Days of Our Lives. And, Absolutely. You know, I, for a long time now, I, I hadn't watched Days in a long time, but I really got back into it. And, you know, I, I think they are really about what, what soaps, what so, uh, they are a soap that's doing everything right, I think, right now. I, I love the mix the younger with some older. I mean, who knew that we'd all be sort of rooting or interested in a Maggie and Victor Mm. pairing? And, you know, they have a young, they have an old, they have a middle group. It's not just all geared toward the young. I mean, it's just, it's it's really wonderful right now. And for the life of me, I can't understand why many other soaps aren't aren't picking picking it up. You know, and uh, I mean, I, my second one is One Life to Live, I think is fantastic. But I hate to cut you off. We are about to go to break, Brian, and I don't want oh, you to. Oh, that's wonderful. Get I said everything I had to say anyway. Well, but... perfect. Well, thank you so much for calling and being part of the show. Yeah, and congratulations to everybody. And keep it up. Tell them to just keep it up. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Well, All right. Bye bye. Sherry, before we go to break, there is a big book signing yes. today coming up at the Barnes & Nobles at the Grove. What can fans expect? When is it? Where can they go? And uh, let's get a line uh, out the door. Well, for anybody who is in the L.A. area, they probably know about the Grove, which is this phenomenal shopping well, shopping center. It's hard to even call it that. It's really like going to Disneyland, going to Main Street in Disneyland. Um, and it's just this fabulous venue where you know Santa Claus is going to be there. But, I mean, I can't even explain how, how amazing this venue is. Um, it's over on Fairfax and 3rd in right. Los Angeles at the Barnes & Noble there. And I know that the, the celebs who are expected to be there today are Christian Alfonso, who I've worked with forever and adore, 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 Melissa Reeves, who shows up in book one, as you know, mm-hmm. James Scott, uh, Jay Johnson, and Sean Christian. I know they are going to be there, and there may be a few interesting people that stop by as well. And otherwise, they see me, and they see Greg Ming and Eddie Campbell, who I think did a phenomenal job on the coffee table book. And we're actually going to talk to Eddie in the next half hour, so I'm excited about talking about this amazing, (laughs) amazing uh, photo book. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Well, you have, as we mentioned, there are two more novels coming out, one in the spring, I guess, and one in the summer. I would love to have you back to talk about those when they come out, and we can delve more into all the intricacies of daytime television with you. Oh, well, I would love to. That would be amazing. Oh, oh, and let's see. Do you know the answer to the trivia question? I do. Who um, on the day's cast used to dance with the Rockettes? John Aniston. No, it's not. It's actually Suzanne <laughs> Rogers. It is. It is. <laughs> yes, it's Suzanne Rogers. And it's an interesting story. Years ago, there was one scene, and actually my aunt was working on the show, um, helping out one of the kids there, and Suzanne was scheduled to go into a... Um, she was being, she was in court and was supposed to go over the the bench, and she tried to jump over it and caught her heel. And she learned that you know that's not the place to try to be a rockette. Ooh. She ended up falling on her face when she caught her heel. So Ooh. I know very well all about Suzanne's uh, experience as a rockette. I think she was brilliant at it, but 
I think where she belongs is Days of Our Lives. And she's a lovely, lovely woman, by the way. Wow. Uh, Sherry Anderson, A Secret in Salem, A Days of Our Lives novel, is available now at your favorite book retailer and online. So go out there and get your copy. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with more of Soap Central Live in just a few moments. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on leadership intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live and our big celebration of Days of Our Lives 45th anniversary. 
My next guest is Eddie Campbell, who is the co-author of the beautiful new picture book, Days of Our Lives, 45 Years, a Celebration in Photos. Eddie's going to tell us a little bit about how the book came to be and how you can get an autographed copy of the book today. Eddie, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Um, the, the book came about about a year or so ago. Greg Meng's concept was sort of, uh, you know, we're, we're coming on an important benchmark. The fans have never uh, seen this type of access. You know, the show doesn't tape in front of an audience. So he brought me in to sort of bring his uh, dream to fruition, and it's really just a gift to the fans. Well, as we're talking about gifts to the fans, we also have another gift for fans. Eddie, you're joined by an Emmy-nominated actress who is one of the most beautiful women in daytime television and certainly one of the most recognizable. In 1983, Christian Alfonso stepped into the role of Hope Williams Brady, and as they say, everybody, the rest is history. <laughs> Christian, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're so kind. <gasps> so, you know, I was struggling with what to get you guys for the big 45th birthday here, but... I think that NBC has given you a present far better than anything I could ever come yes, up with. Yes, a, yes, A two-year renewal. We are all so unbelievably ecstatic. I mean, looking, seeing them plan for Tuesday. I had walked into the production office and asking about certain dates, and they were planning 2011 and 2012, and I got chills. I was just so thrilled. I mean, so many people worked so hard on that show. And to be there for another two years? Oh, oh Actually, my goodness. two years and I think eight months left. We're, since we're talking about anniversaries, there's another anniversary. In addition to SoapCentral.com turning 15, Soap Opera Digest is turning 35, and there's an interview with Ken Corday, and it's uh, their most recent edition out on newsstands right now. And Ken tells them that he sobbed when he received word that the show had been renewed. Why is this renewal so emotional, Christian, uh, than maybe some of the others in the past? Well, there are so many shows, first of all, going off the air. And to be able to recreate and constantly step out of the box and have people enjoy it and continue to want to see it and to see our ratings rise when other ratings, unfortunately, are declining is just, I mean, I'm talking about it now and I'm getting chills. And to be a part of such a legacy that his parents started 45 years ago and to have Ken Corday continue that legacy for so many years and successfully is beyond, beyond belief and just, there are no words to express my gratitude to the show and to Ken and you know, the people that we work with every day, we, we truly are a family. I know a lot of people say that. This is my third time returning back to the show. I've been back now for 16 years, and I have to say that it's always it's coming home, hmm. and it's always walking in the door and feeling welcomed and at home and comfortable, and you know that you have the support of your peers and production and the crew. I mean, it takes everyone to make that show, not just, who the audience sees every day, but it's the writers and the story that drive it. And, you know, it's, it's the music. I mean, Ken writes the music, a good majority of it. Yeah. And it's the wardrobe, it's the makeup. I mean, there is just so much magic there. And I think everyone is just so happy. And I hear a lot. I mean, a lot of people come from different shows, whether it's primetime or film or other daytime shows. And, they, and it, it does my heart so good to hear them say, it's such a welcoming group of people. 
And in terms of welcoming, I think a lot of fans may know that your first career choice wasn't necessarily acting. So how did you get to this new family, this Days of Our Lives family? What was your process from growing up in Massachusetts to landing in Salem, USA? Well, I was an ice skater. I was a figure skater, actually, um, a competitor, and I had a tobogganing accident also many years ago. And it was actually my landing leg um, for my jumps that I shattered in five different places. Wow. Um, before all of that had taken place, I had been in New York for a competition, and Wilhelmina, the Wilhelmina Agency, uh, modeling agency, had approached me about modeling for the agency and showed some interest, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm so short. There's just no way, and I'm a competitor. I'm an athlete, um, something I really was not interested in, and I very rarely ever went to movies at that time because I was training from 5.30 in the morning until God knows when, or it would be first thing in the morning and then school, and then i you know, continue and go training. Um, our Friday night dinners every night when I was training was well, we all meet at Burger King because then off to you know, the <laughs> skating rink again. Uh, but then I did have that accident. I thought, well, let's reassess here. Maybe we should just, you never know. Hmm. So we went in, had a meeting, and um, before I knew it, I was taking test shots and working with Scavulo and uh, Bruce Weber and Patrick de Marchelaire and, I mean, just unbelievable photographers. It was just such a, another, and actually I worked with Vera Wang. She was the editor wow. of uh, Vogue during the time I was modeling, and then from there, someone had seen a photo of me, and then NBC flew me out, and then they put me under contract for a year, and they had actually, when they were casting for Hope, um, had asked me to come in and read, and I thought, oh my God, I'm so scared, I don't know how to act, um, and aside from that, um, it would really change my family's life, and I didn't want to move the family, and I did not want to move to California, of course, frightened to death of the earthquakes, um, you know, I was from a small town. I did travel a lot with modeling, but at the same time, um, it would have been a huge move. Cut to several years later, um, I did a movie when I was under contract with NBC with Rock Hudson, believe it or not. Wow. Wonderful man. And um, then they had asked me to read for Hope um, years later. And I was like, yes, yes, of course. Um, so I did. I read for Hope, and um, lo and behold, thank God, I'm looking up at the sky right now. I was hired, <laughs> and then they were actually testing for Bo, and they wanted me to come back in again. I said to my agent, oh, no, 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 I'm back in New York. I can't. I, no, 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 because I was so frightened that they would really see that I was not as good as they thought possibly that I could be. Wow. <laughs> um, so I didn't test with Bo, which ended up being Peter Reckle. Um, and the rest is history. Uh, in, indeed it is. Uh, I can't imagine. That's a fascinating story. Now, Eddie, you're not out of this yourself. Everyone has a soap connection. Obviously, you've helped to co-author this beautiful book, but let's explore a little bit. When is the first time that you became familiar with soap operas or Days of Our Lives? Well, <clears throat> actually, my grandmother used to watch Days of Our Lives, and so did my aunt. Okay. So I remember it being on in the background, and I would never have imagined that I would have any connection to it later in life. <laughs> um, but I remember it always being on in the background. I mean, it's a staple to American television and American history. We're going to talk about this beautiful book. You know, in just to just interrupt for a moment, I remember sure. the first time I had arrived in New York City to meet with Wilhelmina, 
and my mom and I had taken a train, the train in from Massachusetts into New York, and it arrived at Grand Central Station, and getting off the train, train station, just thinking, it's such a beautiful train station, first of all, but then looking up and seeing Susan and Bill Hayes, bigger than life, on Time Magazine, and I just thought, oh my God, what a beautiful couple, and she is incredibly stunning. Who knew years later that I would be working with this couple and he would be my dad and she would be my stepsister, stepmother. <laughs> what do you say yeah. to listeners out there who maybe they have in their minds what they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to do and there's something pulling them in another direction that maybe isn't the way that they thought that they should go? Should they... You know, listen to that little voice, or how do you make that decision to make that leap of faith? I think you just have to believe. Never say never is my motto. And if it, if you're gravitating to something or something happens, everything happens for a reason. And I would not ever take back that broken leg because it would change everything in my life. Hmm. And even though I at the moment they probably needs to follow seem like their dreams. I mean, granted, if, you know, we tell this to our kids, you know, we have two children in college right now, and I have an eight-year-old at home, and my oldest son wants to be a mechanical engineer, extremely, extremely difficult, difficult courses, and he's having a tough time. I mean, he's doing well, but it's, you know, it's tough, but anything tough and anything that you really love comes with sacrifice and hard work. And, you know, I, I seriously could not be proud of But at the same time, you know, when we were talking about college and what are you interested in, you know, I say to him, reach for your dreams, but be realistic. I mean, there's no way you could be, you know, an NBA player. You're not tall enough or you're not fast enough or, but you can do this. this I mean, there's people, there's so many things that people can excel at, but you need to follow your dream, but be realistic. Although I have to say, thinking back now, when they told me I couldn't, I said I will. So, okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt that Days of Our Lives wouldn't have made it to 45 years without the fans. The fans who tune in Absolutely. day after day, every day of the week. What message do you have? How can you say thank you to the fans? Uh, without, it, it seems like such a, a huge thing to say. Seriously, I don't know if there are the words to express our gratitude and our love for the fans, because truly, if it were not for them, we would not still be on the air and not as successful. But there's so many different pieces of the puzzle also, because we, I mean, they stayed with us when they weren't enjoying something, but they were hopeful that cause they enjoyed something else. And I think our show really does offer something to every age group, and every like, mm-hmm. there's a little. There's such a menagerie of characters, and it's such a beautiful show to watch. It's so well produced. But I say thank you full heartedly to the fans. I think one of the best presents that has been given to the fans, Eddie, is this beautiful book. It's called again, Days of Our Lives: Forty Five Years: A Celebration in Photos. Where did the idea come from to put this book together? I mean, it's, it's beautiful from page one all the way, you know, to the back cover. Well, thank you for that compliment. Uh, we worked very hard on the book. Um, the idea came from Greg Mayne, 
And um, it's part of what, you know, Christian just answered, which is we can't thank the fans enough. Dave has the best fans I've ever seen. I've been at several events over the past year to see amazing fans show up. And this is sort of, it, uh, while it's a tribute to the fans and sort of a, you know, 1965 to 2010, it's also, it sort of steps out of the boundaries of being, you know, interesting to photographers and film students and filmmakers and artists and creative people and art directors. So um, we, you know, our first goal was to give back to the fans. You know, fans can't see the show. Um, they don't take in front of audiences I mentioned earlier. So this is actually their way of opening the stage doors and coming on in. There's 45 years. There must have been thousands and thousands of photos to pour through. How did you decide which photos would go into the book and are there photos left over that maybe could end up in a sequel book? <laughs> well, we went through boxes upon boxes from the NBC archives, and it was literally, I've said it several times, we were like kids in a candy shop. There was so <laughs> much amazing material. Um, there's definitely material for a second or a third book, easily. Um, but, we, you know, the book isn't like, you know, there'll be things missing from the book, and people will say, oh, I wish that there was um, that episode or that scene from this episode. And um, well, we were really sensitive to just putting together a really great coffee table, um, you know, collector's item. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful book. It, it absolutely you. is. And it really is. It's such a beautiful book. And what I love about it, because I, too, am a fan of Days of Our Lives, is that it really does give you a look behind the scenes, and there are so many candid photographs. Yes, you have the portrait photograph where, you know, we're posing or other actors, or, but it really gives you a sense of what a day is like. And there's such a, a passage of time. And seeing the art directors planning the sets, and you see the blueprints. And I was showing my cousin, I was just in Houston for a Days of Our Lives show, and I had put one of the books out because I'm so proud of it. And people were asking, and we were, you know, we were reminiscing. It was like, you know... Fans were coming up and looking at it and wanting to know where they could get it, and but we were reminiscing together like we were family. We had known wow. each other for years because there's so many familiar situations. Yet you'll see me in my bathroom a lot because I'm always cold on set, um, <laughs> which people would never know. Um, but it's just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. And you see the writers planning, and you look at it, and you're thinking, there's such a story here. What's really taking place? So it's fascinating to look at. It's, it's artwork. There's one particular photo that I'd like to talk about, uh, and certainly there, there's hundreds of photos in the book, but it's the photo that's opposite of the contents page. It's of the late McDonald Carey and Francis Reed. I'm assuming, was there ever any doubt that this would be the first photo that folks see when they get to that contents page, Eddie? Well, you know, there wasn't really much doubt. You know, that's where it all started. It started in the Horton living room. So we start out in the Horton living room. Just You know, and the book has a very natural progression. It tells a story. It's not just a bunch of photos put together in a book. It tells a very linear story. But we also made sure that it was fun and that there's laughter and that there's off-the-cuff moments. And just what Christian mentioned earlier, you know, the fact that we showed her in her robe on set that's very fascinating to the fans. You know, to people in the industry, that's not fascinating because many actresses are on set in robes and coats and things because the sets are very cold. And that, but that's fascinating to the fans. So 
Uh, to answer your question, there was no question we would start with Tom and Alice Horton, and then we just included as much fun. And you know, it's like a roller coaster ride. The book, it's fun, it's intriguing. There are serious moments. There's silly moments. There's Ariane Zucker with her, you know, crazy face in the in the makeup room and <laughs> and everyone's reaction. And that's the kind of fun that these people have, you know, behind the scenes. And that's exactly what the cast and crew of Days of Our Lives is like. They're a family, and I know that now from working with them for the past year. There's also a crazy photo of uh, Christian in the wardrobe room I remember seeing. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite rooms, I have to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, uh, again, it's, uh, it's so fascinating. And as I mentioned, I don't want uh, fans to forget, they have a chance to not only pick up the book, but to get the book signed by... Uh, you, Eddie, by Christian, by some of the other folks involved in days. So can you, again, let fans out there know when the event is, where it's at, what they need to do, uh, all the good stuff, because it's at the Grove tonight. I guess it's at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, I think. 7 to 9. Yeah, we're at the Grove, Los Angeles, Barnes & Noble, 7 to 9 p.m. tonight. Um, We are going to Detroit. I mean, we'll be, you know, using different select cast members. We'd love to use every cast member at every signing, but, you know, with their grueling schedule, we kind of have to sort of work it around the schedule. Um, We're going to be going to Detroit. Um, We'll be going to Miami and New York. And then we're also looking into the possibility of San Francisco and San Diego. There is a uh, days45online.com, which will have all of the city's listings and times and bookstores and, and all that information um, and again, again, you know, uh, in today's economy, a lot of uh, publishers aren't sending, you know, uh, book authors and, and cast members around the country. But again, this is just sort of like a giving an extra give back to the fans because they're gonna. There's no hold barred for the 45th year. It's a full year of celebration, and we're inviting everybody. Well, I think everyone's pleased to be a part of the celebration. Again, there's so many stories, uh, and having been with Days of Our Lives and being part of all of those stories, Christian, I'm wondering, can you share some of, let's do first, some of your favorite memories that didn't make it to the screen, maybe some of the behind-the-scenes stories that maybe one that you'd like to share with the fans? Um, well, everything that we shoot, I have to say, makes it to air. Um, but I have to, I mean, honestly, I have to say that I have, I cannot pick out one storyline because I have enjoyed every storyline I've been involved in. And just to give you a tip, too, is that the, the present storyline that I'm also involved in is amazing. It's just so much fun. I've never, I've never repeated a storyline. How incredibly amazing is that? Yeah. I've never, ever repeated a storyline. And the writers have planned this story and how they started it a year and a half ago, two years ago maybe, um, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. And, you know, reporters will ask, or journalists will ask, you know, where would you like to see a character go next? Honestly, it's out of my hands. Completely leave it to the writers. I'm never disappointed. So what I will say to the fans is please come join us tonight. We'd love to be able to say thank you in person for all of your years of love and support. And um, let's celebrate together. I'm also curious, Christian, how, and we're almost at the end of the show, which I, I can't believe, uh, we have about three minutes or so, what does it feel like for you as an actress to hear people say that 
you're iconic in daytime and that you're part of a legendary daytime couple. What does that mean to you? Or are you even able to, to wrap your head around it? No, I'm not. Just hearing you say it, I was wondering who you were talking about. <laughs> um, no, you know, I just, I, I don't think about that. It's not something that ever even enters my mind. I'm just, I, I love what I do. I love walking through the, those doors every day. And, you know, something else I will share with the fans, and that is, is that if I've had a couple of days off and I'm walking through the doors again, I, I, I'm like a schoolgirl. I feel like, oh, it's my first day of school. I'm, I'm back again. And I'm excited. And, you know, Pete will look at me and say, what's the matter with you, Chess? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling a little nervous. I feel a little nervous inside today. He goes, why are you nervous? I, said, I just am. He said, you've been doing this long enough. I said, I know, but I, just, I think that's, it's just who I am, and I want it to be great, and I want to give it a 1,000%, and I want the audience to enjoy it and love it as much as I do and hmm. make it as interesting and as unpredictable and keep them guessing and keep myself guessing yeah. because sometimes I get out there and I'm like, hmm, ooh, I didn't think of that. That worked. Well, that was cool. Okay. Great. Um, I just love what I do. I love it, and I love that I'm part of a family that is also so loving and supportive. Well, we know that the fans love you. So, Christian, thank you so much for being part of today's show. Thank you so much for having me. Eddie, thank you, too, for being part of today's show. Thank you, Dan. I hope that everybody out there has enjoyed All right, see you tonight, Christian. See you at the Grove. Okay. <laughs> I hope that everybody out there has enjoyed this week's celebration of Days of Our Lives at 45. Of course, I'd like to thank all of my guests for taking part in today's show. Be sure to look for Days of Our Lives, 45 Years of Celebration in Photos by Greg Meng and Eddie Campbell. It's available in bookstores and online. It's a must-have for any Days fan, and it would make a really good holiday gift, so keep that in mind. And also be sure to check out A Secret in Salem, a Days of Our Lives novel by Sherry Anderson. It, too, is available wherever your favorite books are sold. And don't forget, if you want to know more about Christian Alfonso, you can check out her official website, christiananline.com. And for more information about her jewelry, which I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk about, you can visit hopefaithmiracles.com. Remember to check out Days of Our Lives, now being broadcast in high definition every weekday on NBC. Check your local listings for the time and channel in your area, or you can also watch full-length episodes at NBC.com. If you're in the L.A. area, be sure to head over to the Barnes & Noble at The Grove tonight, starting at 7 p.m. Pacific for an all-star book signing event. Next week, I'll have a special interview with Victoria Rowell that you're not going to want to miss. So I'm Dan Kroll, encouraging everyone to set their hourglasses for next Friday at the same time, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, when I'll be back with another edition of Soap Central Live. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.